Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. You know, they were an okay team. You know, 41 and 41, and then they'd lose to the Celtics in the opening round. And Jeff Ruland got really pissed at me because I'd written something kind of nice about Ralph Sampson, about to be, uh, become a rookie. And he wouldn't talk to me. So I was in the position of covering this team, and the best player on it would not talk to me. It was fantastic. And this is how Pulitzer Prize winners are made. <laughs> in the cold and a fire of covering the NBA. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I really hope people liked the Remnick interview. I really hope they did, and maybe consider buying the book. Um, you know, he's really brilliant, and I've worked, I've had the great pleasure of working with some people, not, not that many really, who I would say are really brilliant. And Remnick is really brilliant. He is at the center. And Michael, I'm sure you would agree with this. He is at the center right now as the editor of The New Yorker and a contributing writer to The New Yorker, the best magazine in the United States of America. He's at the center of American literature and American literary criticism, right? Uh, yes. Like he, you know... He knows everybody. And every time I get my New Yorker in the mail, I just smile, thinking the fact that you can get on the phone and call up Remnick. Yeah, I can call up Remnick. Or Remnick yes. once called me up and he said, you got to tell my son you, that I know you. He doesn't believe. <laughs> That'd be fair. I can't make believe. it through the fiction for every, uh, for every uh, magazine, but I try. Yeah, it's Love a great magazine. It really is. He's done. More of a shouts and a murmurs kind job. of guy. Done a great job. <laughs> so um, we are in, in where I live in Washington. We have been under essentially not tornado warnings because warnings mean you've seen tornadoes in the area. Yes. But we've been under tornado watches for the last two days. And there have been all of these terrible predictions of violent wind, violent rain, thunderstorms. And you can look up in the sky as I did yesterday and see those cumulonimbus clouds forming and getting larger and larger as they get higher and higher. But oh, I have escaped. Nigel, you have escaped. Michael, you've escaped terrible weather. We had some significant rain last night for about an hour. Yes. But it was straight down rain. And it was not when it was expected. It was supposed to hit yeah. right when you're doing PTI and it was after your dog walk. Yeah. We heard thunder. I was out with Chessie. There's one big And it was a beautiful it yes. was beautiful. And then I got back and twenty minutes later it's it's raining not really heavy, but heavy enough. And yes, one enormous crack of thunder that I expected would result in a storm and nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. We, now other days, people have gotten could, hit. Yes, yeah, so you could feel the temperatures drop. You could feel that change in the humidity. And where I live, we uh, the, you often see it, it's on one side of the river, and we happen to be on the good side for the last two days. But I I I don't know about you. I'm crippled by checking the weather app and looking at the hourly and to see every five minutes it fluctuates between you're going to get yes. one and a half inches of rain and then As there's Henry nothing. Henry Delosier would say, biblical rain. <laughs> and no, we haven't gotten. No. Apparently, so been happy. Apparently Annapolis but the golf course got, got the golf course took a lot of rain yesterday. Columbia did. I played in the morning. God, I can't hit wedges. I just can't hit the gap wedge. I mean, I bladed or I hit it weekly, and I it just like I shot eighty nine yesterday. Does that include the lost balls? <clears throat> no, ninety one yesterday. I shot ninety one. I would have shot eighty five if I could chip. I really would have shot. I lost four balls yesterday in the rough. They hadn't mowed for a while. I couldn't. I couldn't find them. And then I dropped the ball on the eighteenth hole, 
Al Serafino had gone into, and there were two balls in the cup, and he gave me one in my hand, and I somehow just dropped it and lost it. And I got a uh, an email last night from someone who didn't identify himself or herself just by a phone number saying that he, he or she had found this ball on the 18th green and said, what kind of person would just leave this ball on the 18th green? And I wrote back, someone stupid like me <laughs> who didn't realize I had done it. Thank you for finding the ball and taking care of it. I don't know if... Leave it in the just, locker. I, I didn't say that. I sort of hoped that this person would do that on his or her own this is the danger of having your name and or phone number on the golf ball well i didn't get them i mean they were sent to me they they say mr tony this show stinks (laughs) la cheeserie pretty identical how did you lose a golf ball out of greed (laughs) i had it in my hand i must have just let it drop out of my hand i was so flummoxed by losing so many golf green golf ball mostly white yeah no i know yellow (laughs) i know i know it was a i'm glad i played i had a lovely day playing but um you know, I didn't. I the, can't chip, Michael. The wedge. I talked to. Are you still trying to take it high? I don't know what I'm trying to do. I choke. I'm good on the practice area. I choke in the game. Kelleher told me to practice by standing only on my left foot. He said that really has worked for him with wedges. This is a very classic. Uh, practice sort of game that you can play yes you can load all your weight into your left foot you can drop your right foot about two feet behind uh, and get up on the toes and you've actually seen some players do this in competition he said that would be a that would be a great way to just feel that getting on your left side and staying there through the motion yeah the other thing to just try and try that uh, loosen some of that tension is give me some practice swings where you're gripping down with just your right hand that's your dominant hand and give me little practice swings going pocket to pocket, you'll feel the club head release, and it's going to remove choker. some of that tension. It's, it's all mental. I choke on the course, not with other clubs. I choke with that club. I, I, I'm, I stink. Is it different from the fairway versus the rough? No. Well, sometimes when the rough is really thick, I just don't hit it hard enough. But no, it's, no, it's not that. It's just being a gagger. I've watched it for 100 years in sports, and I'm one of them. A terrible story about Jimmy Johnson. Oh, yes. I've sat in the car with Jimmy Johnson at Richmond. He couldn't have been a nicer person. I'm just going to read this to you. It's wire. Well, it's not a, no, it's, it's a byline in the post, Jake Russell. Let's read it. Seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson will not participate in Sunday's Chicago street race after his wife's parents and nephew were found dead Monday in Oklahoma. The bodies of Jack Janway, the 69-year-old father of Chandra Janway Johnson, her mother, Terry Janway, 68, and Dalton Janway, 11, were found in the Janway's home in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Muskogee police spokeswoman Lynn Hamlin confirmed to the Washington Post on Tuesday. Investigators are treating the situation as a murder-suicide. Police believe Terry Janway shot and killed her husband and grandson before turning the gun on herself. It's just awful. Just horrifying. You get news like that. It's just beyond, it's beyond comprehension how you cope with that. You can't. No, you can't. You can't. This happens all the time. I don't want to say it happens a thousand times a day, but it happens every day in America. Far too frequently. Not yes. to famous people, you know, right. but the, it the, happens. The troubling fact there is you look at our local news and you see this in downtown DC every single day to the point where you can't turn the four o'clock news on or leave the WTOP on in the, in no. the car. No. Yeah. No, it's really... It's awful, and it's really not just as simple, honestly, as banning guns. It, it's really not. This, this is a pathology, and I'm quite certain that whoever had these guns got these guns totally legally, you know, and qualified on every level right. to have them. It's just very 
awful. Just awful. It's a terrible way to end the open. I could go back to <laughs> something else. Do you have some any z- zucchini with... updates? I mean... Did you oh, see that zucchini? I would call that a great zucchini, who I saw performing from afar this uh, earlier this week. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Did, do, you, do you want to take the zucchini home today? So the zucchini is misshapen, which I totally support. We want to you know, try and avoid food waste here. So yes, I'm happy to take the zucchini home, but I thought I gave you a technique to cook this yourself. No, you just gave me the finished product. Okay, you, might well, have, you might have. It'll be like her little you chipping, might have chipping technique. Some mumbo well, jumbo. Give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Give I just don't think you bowl. hear half of what I say. Uh, I don't have good hearing. I need to get hearing aids. There's no question about that. Do, we, would, do we still need the additional owls? We need yet. more owls. We need more owls. We need more owls. Okay. Yeah. Can these be more lifelike? I, would you like actual owls? <laughs> I don't think we could keep them. I don't think they would stay where I put them. Uh, I've got... Uh, I just I, don't. I will get the owls. I will couple get owls. Them. Give yeah, them a tootsie too. roll. They'll stay there for hours. Just a couple more owls. <laughs> All right. We'll take a break. Uh, Chuck Todd first. Yes. Chuck Todd, when we return, not about gambling. I'll explain this later. Not about gambling. This is about what has happened in the last few days in Russia. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This, this song is sent to us by Brian Kenneth Swain. We have played other songs by him before. We have. And he sent a couple today. This one is called The Road. It's going to play in Chuck Todd, Brian Kenneth Swain. I'm always impressed by people who accompany themselves and sing. I can't do any of that. I can't sing. Not yet. Michael can sing. Not yet. Not ever. I'm not a singer. As I said, it plays in Chuck Todd. And normally when we have Chuck Todd on, and we will, starting in just a few weeks, we'll have him bet against a monkey and occasionally beat the monkey. And we'll have him pick NFL games. But this is to utilize his expertise as a political reporter. About four or five days ago, I know everybody's familiar with this story, there was something that happened in Russia in which the head of a for-hire military group, Wagner, which had been involved in the Ukrainian war and had been on the front lines, the head of the group had been somewhat upset with the normal Russian military, started marching took his fighters, and again, these are paid fighters. They're paid to kill people, so they don't have any problem killing people. Took them and occupied a small area of Russia and then seemed to get on the road towards Moscow and turned back. Turned back. We all understand that those are the marginal skeletal facts of this thing. You've talked to many people about this. Was this an attempted coup d'etat? What was this? I guess if you're the proper word is mutiny, uh-huh. since it wasn't necessarily going after Putin. By the way, though, the little town he occupied, yeah, it's the equivalent of an American military general marching to Tampa and taking over CENTCOM, the- you know, where the wars actually run. Yeah. You know, when we've run our wars before, that's what he did. And those folks just let him right in. I said, come on in. They didn't seem to put up any resistance, which is now, of course, 
Because that's the question. You talk to guys like Mike McFall, who knows this stuff forever, former ambassador of Russia, has all these sources. You know, basically the question is, why is Bergozin still alive? Yes. Right? Well, like, that's the Well, that, that's the question. second I mean, question. Like, I mean, how is this guy still alive? And now you start to unravel this. And it, what's clear is two, two things are clear. And the question is we don't know why they're clear. One was Bergozin didn't want to die, right, which is why he decided to back off. Yeah, why did he stop? Why did he stop? Well, he didn't want to die. Oh, okay. That's that. I mean, that's a that's an explanation, right? That that he knew the. But here's the other one. Why did Putin back off? Could it be that he didn't think his military would follow orders? It's not clear who in the military was going to follow Prigozhin. You know, the mercenary, and who was going to follow Putin's generals. That was one of one of the questions I have written down, and mm-hmm. I think this is important is was there any sense of support from the regular military? Yes, and that's, this is what, yes, there is. And we're, the United States is very conveniently making sure our press is aware of this, right? Anything we can do to sow discord right. inside Russian military ranks. But this morning, the Times has a pretty good story that there's the former head of Ukraine military operations for Russia, who was sacked in January, but still sort of involved, there's a lot of questions that he and Pergozin were close, that he, he was the reason why Pergozin felt like he could do this, that Pergozin thought he had support in the military. So there's clearly he had some support in the military, enough that he thought he could do this. And, you know, look, the authoritarian playbook says Putin's got to do something here to restore yes. fear and power again. And, and right now he hasn't done either. What is their alleged deal? I mean, they, it, it's, it was like they, well, they didn't appear at a joint news conference or anything, but everybody seems to think they had a deal. The deal puts him in Belarus, which I would think puts him under the thumb of a total Putin ally. Is that the deal? I, it appears to be, but you would assume that Pergozin's not going to be in any tall buildings, number one, uh, and certainly not staying on any floor above four. Right. Um, for fear of getting pushed out a window. But um, I, I that whole thing is odd, which is, is this going to be a staging operation? Look, there was a part of, you know, the, the immediate thing I went to McFall, I was like, this ended, this started quickly, but it ended quickly, where you, you couldn't help but ask yourself, are the Russians playing us? Is there something we're missing here? And I'll tell you this, a lot of the folks I talk to in this world are feeling as if they're still missing a piece of information. Uh-huh that there's something about this that still doesn't make, uh, you know, that they'd like, you know, that there's some big missing piece here that there maybe somebody was helping on the inside or somebody else that they don't know of, but that something is going to make this clear as to how, how they ended up standing down and how they, how did, how's Pergrosen still alive? This, you you keep coming back to this. You have to keep coming back to this. What are Mm -hmm. his prospects? If you, if you are, Vladimir Putin, you he's afraid have of that to, army. You have to I kill think him. That's what this is, Tony. He's afraid of that army. Right. This Wagner Group is the most effective fighting force the Russians have. They've been all over Syria. They've been all over Africa. Um, Are they, they loyal the only... to Prigozhin, or can they be bought? To, if they can be bought to to kill people, they can be bought off Prigozhin, right? Well, here's what started off the standoff. Okay, so it was pretty clear after they successfully finished their operation when they got Bakhmut. 
it was it's clear Putin finally that the the general that hated Pergozin was like, hey, I, I want to disband these guys. I want to take his troops. I want to be in charge of his troops. And Putin just said, go ahead and do it. And and that's where Pergozin snapped. He found out that his guys were being asked to essentially you know, officially sign up with the Russian army, that they weren't going to be his army anymore. And that's when he said that's that's when he turned on them. But that's the moment that Putin turned on him. And what we don't know is why did Putin turn on him? Putin let his generals go after him. Why? And that's something that we that certainly nobody on our side seems to have the answer to that question. Let me widen this out a little bit, because people who listen to this show, who live in the United States of America, have access to everything all the time on their phones. Yeah. Does the average Russian, what does the average Russian know about this? And do regular Russians know even about the losses in Ukraine? They, they do. You know, Telegram, which is just another social media app, um, uh, uh, like, um, it's a little more like a, I guess it's a little more like WhatsApp. I, I'm, and now I'm realizing here, I'm trying to explain a social Point media to me, app to Tony. Who am I, what am I doing here? Yeah, I say WhatsApp go. to you, and you're going to be like, know. what's that? What yeah. Who, yeah. Who's on first? Right. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's, I'll just say it's like Twitter, because what else am I going to say to you right. uh, on this front? But essentially, Telegram is actually a place that, it, it, that uh, does, that is where people in Russia get their real news. They know they can't get it from the TV. They don't get it from any, any of the state media. But Telegram's the one place where they're getting more honest coverage of the war. More on, And there's both sides of, of the war, very pro-war folks. And you see criticism of the Russian war plan from the right, from people that are, you know, known as pro-war bloggers who think that, you know, the Russians haven't done, you know, done, fought this war very well, things like that. So, no, the Russian people are very aware. This is not something I think that he has kept that he can fully lock down because that's been a program that they've not been able to lock down at all. We have we have polling all the time here where, you know, where Biden mm-hmm. stands, where, you know, where Trump stands, where, you know, where fringe candidates stand. Yeah. Is, do we have any sense that the Russian people want to remove Putin? Do we have no. that sense? What is his future? There's a there's some public opinion that people feel as if it's marginally reputable that shows that this nationalism stuff uh, that Putin espouses and, and restoring the glory of Russia and, you know, Crimea was a big part of that and, and all of this, that there is that there is generally support for Putin on this, mm-hmm. uh, on, on this front. But, you know, we're, we're over a year now with these sanctions. Um, people have to live a black market economy all the time. You know, it's an everyday thing. You know that certain things you got to get underground, other things you can do this way. You know, that that exhausts the population after a while. And, and while every Russian scholar will tell you the Russian people can handle suffering better than most, um, you know, at some point there's there's exhaustion here. Putin just here's the thing, Tony. Every dictatorship ends some ends like this. It's yeah. sort of like going, you know, the metaphor of going bankrupt. First, you go bankrupt slowly, then quickly. You know, when you're a dictator, you start to lose power slowly, and then all of a sudden it's gone. But, and, and, but that leads to this, and these are the things that I assume that in the Pentagon they talk about all the time. Are we more or less likely to get someone 
to the left of Putin or to the right of Putin? Are we better yeah. off with the devil we know? I, I, it's funny you say that. I think we're more likely to get somebody from the right or at least rhetorically from the right mm -hmm. of Putin because that's where that's where the country is uh, on this front. Um, so, you know, somebody had this and it was a blind quote. And you're thinking somebody could have put their name on this. And they said, you know, American policy on Russia is we don't want too strong of a Russia. We don't want too weak of a Russia. You know, we want something in the middle, like like you're like it's sort of described now, like a manageable Russia. But I, I don't think you can pick that. You know, uh, and we had five decent years with Boris Yeltsin, but he turned out to be a drunk who couldn't really keep the government together. Right. right. And you know, we've had bad luck ever since. I mean, if you look at the people that are most likely to take over from Putin, if it's if it's not a full on coup or something like that, they're all sort of share his perspective that the West picks on Russia and Russia has to be restored. So there's the dime store psychologist in me has this fear that somebody like Putin would have to show strength. It wouldn't even be enough to kill this one guy. It would be show strength to the rest of the world. Let's drop some nukes in Ukraine. You know, That's what I worry about. Is that a legitimate worry? It's what they know. It, it is a legitimate worry that there's this whole fear that if Putin gets backed into the corner in any moment that he has well, if if I can't have it, nobody can have it. Mindset, right? Yeah, that that yeah. feeling. You know, he's for whatever. You know, it seems as if the longer this war's gone on, then the longer he hasn't resorted to tactics like that. The more confident that that folks are that he's at least rational enough. And not he won't to do, that. do that. All right, yeah. I'll get you out of here on this. Shohei Otani, huh? <laughs> What do you think? Tim or Dominic Smith, who would you rather? <laughs> it's close, right? Like, I mean, they're both left-handed hitters. Yeah. Right? So that's good, yeah. Yeah, Dominic You know, it's um, the Nats. How you feel? I'm, I'm really, I'll be honest, I've brought it up. I didn't have enough time with Sunday with Tony Blinken, but I was going to bring it up with him. I don't know how I feel about these sovereign wealth funds owning the teams in Washington, D.C. I have difficulty with this. I have, I, I don't. I don't know enough about Qatar to make, you know, comparisons well, know to Saudi Qatar Arabia. Is. You know, yeah. I don't know that. But this cannot be a good trend. And it leads me to the question that I've said to Wilbon a thousand times. Oh, yeah, you're fine with everything. How would you feel if China bought the NBA? How would you feel? You know, I, I, so I don't and, know. How... And that's where we're headed. Look, I get it. There's all this money in the English Premier League and all these sports owners. But, you know, we have no... You and I texted about this, we don't, but the, the, the ends justifies the means mindset on money now. It's, it's always been there, but it feels like we've taken it to another level. I, uh, yes, it's, it is actually disturbing. It's actually disturbing. Um, and I think that Ted Leonsis, for example, it seems very clear to me, wants to get this money in his hand so that he can buy the baseball team, so they can have inventory on his television network. And yeah. I... You know, I'm not sure this is a good idea. In fact, I, imagine, I don't think it is. Imagine every other lobbying firm in Washington, how jealous they are. That, that Cutter, I mean, they're, you're lobbying Washington, D.C., and, and you get to throw a party with three sports teams anytime you want. Anytime, yeah. 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 You get really good seats. Advantage. Really yeah. good seats. Thank you, Chuck. Talk soon. All right, guys. Thanks, son. Chuck Todd, boys and girls. We will take a break. Come back with Richard Justice. It's sort of like a non-sports day today. We're going to talk to Richard Justice about living in Houston, where I think the temperature today is supposed to top out at 111, <laughs> something like that. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
In the fast-paced world of attacking, speed is everything. And that's where the Furon 7 Plus shines. Engineered for accuracy and precision at a rapid pace, it's your secret weapon on the pitch. Experience overall comfort and precise striking, even in the game's fastest moments. The nylon outsole, with its V-shaped stud configuration, is designed for firm ground, giving you the grip you need to outmaneuver your opponents. Step up your attacking game and learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, we have a song from Brian Kenneth Swain. Uh, This one is called Who Am I? And you can listen to him without me yapping at the end of the show. Probably should go there now because it's probably better than anything I'm going to say. Michael, if people like Brian Kenneth Swain want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizershow.com. And just as we had Chuck Todd uh, not talking about the NFL, but talking about what's going on in Russia, we have Richard Justice. We're not going to start with baseball. We'll get to baseball, I guess. But we're going to start with an unbelievable heat wave in the United States of America, starting and, and probably strongest in the Southwest. I read a story last night in the New York Times that the temperature would top out at 111 today where you live in Houston. It's an idiotic question, but it's the only question. How hot is it and and how does it affect your life? It's terrifying. It's terrifying on a couple of levels. First of all, you wonder if your air conditioner is going to hold up. Second of all, the state power grid is a disaster. I think Texas is the only state that is not part of the federal power grid. This is a whole part of succeed. I mean, it's and and it hasn't been fixed. You go back to, to in both two of the last three winters, we've had terrible ice storms. I mean, the weather's getting more and more violent, and the power grid just failed, particularly in, in twenty one. I remember that. So, yeah. so we've already had power outages. Last week, we're sitting at home eight o'clock at night, and a violent, I mean, violent storm hits the area, and um, there's a tornado. My, my, my youngest daughter lives like three miles away. She had a tornado in her neighborhood, trees sliced, uh, a house is sliced in half, and you're just sitting there thinking, okay, how long till the power goes out, and when will the power come back on? And, and in this weather, it's very dangerous. The power, we lost the power for about 20 minutes, but it's been much worse. So, yeah, it's, it's tense. And, um, like We're planning to drive to marfa texas um this weekend but when you you go to your gps and put it in your in your phone you get heat warnings you know basically saying be careful if you're going to drive this route the the roads are are so hot will your vehicle will your vehicle survive it and all that it's it's otherworldly but but again like i said two of the last three winters we've had these uh, abominable ice storms as well so it is a uh, it's i know everyone is you know the 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 astros played in st louis last night and you could barely i mean you could see your you like something wrong with my television there was smoke in the air you know those those skyway skyline shots of the gateway arch you could barely see the arch from bush stadium so we're we're, we're having a moment, Tony. This is interesting when you say that there's a certain danger in driving. It brings me yes. back to this terrible story from the other day. What in God's name are people doing hiking? It's <laughs> over 100. What are you doing? 
I won't even get in the swimming pool now. The the water the water is so hot. Yeah, and I, and why do people do it? They do it because they want to be challenged. Well, there are other ways to be challenged. You know, you can try to watch every Seinfeld episode or something. <laughs> um, I'm just sort of wondering, you know, and 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 the power grid. Yeah, Texas has been the rebel in the country and yes. decided that it's smarter and better than everybody else, so it will just take itself offline and do it itself. But do people, like, are people seeking relief, for example, in supermarkets? You know, I mean, when it's really hot, go to the supermarket and stand near the ice cream trays. That's, that's exactly true. And there is relief in that, in the, in the local churches, the YMCAs, and all of that. Um, but when the power goes out, it goes out for huge swaths of the area where you're living, yeah. and you don't you don't know what to do. I, I mean, uh, the ice the the cold front in '21. My daughter at the time lived in one of the suburbs, and she was out of uh, power for like six days. Came and lived with us, and and then during the flood in 2017, my other daughter lives in the, the Heights area of Houston. She had the Cajun Navy out in front. She had guys in boats in front of her in front of her home. So uh, we're getting a little bit of everything. Um, it leads to a pretty obvious question: Why would anyone live in Houston, Texas? Are people leaving? Are they leaving? Actually, uh, people are moving here. Continue to move here in droves. I've actually written how Texas deserves a third major league team in the San Antonio Austin corridor. Yeah, and uh, I, 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 you know, I don't know why. I'm turning very serious. I have a friend that's about to have a daughter. You know, we said the state legislature hasn't done anything to fix the power grid. I, I don't think, but there's a. This is really political. There's a. There's a war on transgender kids and minorities. It seems like it feels right. that way. Yes. And I have a friend about to have a daughter, and uh, they say, "I don't know if we want to live here. I don't know." I mean, that, that's in a that's in a very thoughtful way. But there's a certain uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Arrogance about Texas and Texans, and the, you know, like we don't we don't want to be California. Well, in California, they have schools that are better than ours, and they have a, a power grid better than ours. So, you know, I'm not sure. You know, it's, a, it's the way you look at the world in, in, in these divided times. How is your life affected in a 24-hour cycle? What is the heat doing to you? Yeah, you know, I, I run every day, and you've got to get out there before 8 o'clock in the yeah. morning, something like that, because it's just brutal, and you just can't go outside very much during the day and i mean that's that that's sad you you look at the you look at the calendar and go okay if i can just get to october the heat will break in october it used to be the heat will break in september the heat will break in october but uh you you literally it feels like on days that literally the world around you is going to melt i, I mean it is it is it is a bizarre time in the last two summers it was terrible last summer and okay maybe that's a once in a lifetime thing but uh anyone that doesn't believe climate change is real come here and experience one of our minus eight degree cold snaps or plus one oh one eleven heat snaps and uh see see if that can is as a convincer i've never um you know i've never gone to a foreign country where it is unbelievably hot i haven't done that the hottest i've ever been in my life um, happened with some regularity, 
was there'd be a fight in Las Vegas in June or July. Right. And you, you'd go outside in Las Vegas in June or July, and you go, no, 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 get me out of here now. Can't do this. And I would look at hotels. I don't even know if Caesars Palace still exists. And you see does. these people sunbathing out there. And you go, what, what are you doing? It was just well, unbelievably hot and not as hot as what you're describing. Right. Uh, but, I, you know, I have friends in Scottsdale. And, uh, well, you have a I do. North Scottsdale, to be exact. <laughs> North Scottsdale, hey, not well, as hot. Mike, when, when, what he does in the winter, I, I mean, I'm sorry, in the summer, because you cannot go outside. I have these triathlete friends and all this i go well what time do you train and uh, they go we don't train after the sun comes up that's for sure no i i know wilbon says oh no it's a dry heat i go what are you talking <laughs> about he says yeah you, you get out at six in the morning and you play nine uh, you got to be done by seven thirty or something by six fifteen <laughs> have they called off like that there is act there this is the united states of america there are sports there's activity have they called off games and stuff um, no, well, I think there's not many outdoor sports. The seven-on-seven seven, um, state quarterback drills are going on, have just completed, and those were done mostly early in the morning and at indoor facilities. Otherwise, uh, not too much outdoor. It, it's, a, it's an issue every year for the Houston Texans when they have camp. Yeah. The players do not like to practice in the bubble. So you basically, you know, in two-a-days, the two-a-days that you and I remember, those have gone away. So you have one practice early in the morning and then a very light practice in the afternoon because the heat, in when you know, Mike talked about dry heat, when you have heat with this humidity, mm. it literally feels like it's scalding your skin and you just can't ask your players to do out there. They've done, the, the medical staff has done, have done studies on it, it it damages the soft tissue of your body to be out in that kind of heat. And, you know, we've often said this about NFL teams, that you're most prepared to play a game on the first day of training camp before all the injuries and all the bruises and all the things you go through to get ready for a season. And so the the Texans have to monitor it very, very carefully. The the Cowboys, uh, you know, go go to California. And... uh, it's it's it literally it's it's much different there, but uh, the Texans have tried to do it here. Houston's a big city. They got old, you know they got teams. Have the Astros? Sometimes teams take the lead in community affairs. Sometimes they open their doors up and they try and help. Has there been anything like that with the Astros? Well, it, during the hurricanes, the Astros were phenomenal. All the all the schools were. The University of Houston uh, were part of that too. Um, I think right now it's we just look at it as weather, and yeah. uh, as awful as it is, it, it's still weather. But we are in hurricane season, so the best could be yet to come. Wow! All right, let me get to the obvious sports question. Yes, Chuck Todd, the same thing. How about Shohei Otani? Huh? How about uh, Wilbon saying three years ago? No, this can't go on. No, he's going to have to become a hitter. No, he'd just be a hitter. You can't be a pitcher and a hitter. Really? What about this guy? Uh, it's nothing you can. I think we've run out of words to describe the guy. I, th- I think he was well, so he threw a hundred pitches in the game last night, left the game, had a cracked fingernail, and then hit his second home run of the game. Yeah. You know, he's going to win the MVP for the second time in three years. He leads the, the he leads the majors in homers, RBIs, total bases, OPS, everything, and he's seven and three, three point oh two. He's number one in opponents' batting average against. You just 
there's we've never seen anything like it again. And so, you know, he's he leads the majors in homers, but Trout is in the top ten. What if this team gets in the playoffs and we could see both Otani and Trout at the same time? Uh, everything he does is something you you just go. I, I don't know how to explain it anymore. Yeah. And I think I, I listened to a lot of Angels broadcasts. They're out of. They're out of words, too, to express it. And what we've seen is his personality come out. He's sort of leading this dugout celebration. And in uh, <laughs> his post-game press conferences are pretty funny now. Uh, what you're seeing is he's one of these personalities that is very, very appealing. And the talent is something we have never seen before. You see every night the Angels notes or something like third player since 1900, second player since 1837 or something like that. It's uh, in the post-Civil War era, he's the most unique player we've ever seen. So here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a five-year stretch in which he wins four MVPs. And the only year he doesn't win an MVP is when a guy hits 62 home runs. <laughs> I mean, because, because you're right. We've never seen anything like him. And it's, don't tell me about Babe Ruth anymore. No, no, it's not. It's different. No, it's he just, did it one year. Yeah. And, and Shohei is on a pace right now. Pace is a bad word, but he's on a pace to hit 56 homers, to hit 56 home runs. And um, he just so, he's so, what he does is so appealing to watch in that you can't believe what you're seeing. Like he, he pitches into the seventh inning, and then he hits two homers in the same game. And it's, it's never been done before. And I, I saw the quotes from Phil Nevin, the Angels manager, last night. And he just goes, we, he goes, honestly, we don't take it for granted. We, but we see it so often, and we see it every day, that it's, you have to fight to say, there's never been anything like this in the game of baseball, ever, ever. Yeah. And, you know, all, all, every team started, when, when he came to the United States, every team started looking for that two-way guy that could save a roster spot. And I remember a scout telling me, we maybe should stop looking. That guy may be such an athletic freak that there just will never be anyone that can do what he has done. You think he'll stay there? No. I think he's going to play for the Dodgers next year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, but the one thing about you can tell he's a very loyal guy, and so it's going to come down to where he wants to play. But I think in the game, if you ask the players, you ask executives, they all expect that he's going to play for the Dodgers. That 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 would be hard for him personally because he obviously has an affection for Trout and for the Angels, but he wants to win. It's understandable, and you don't get that many chances to do it. You can. You know, break an arm, break a leg, it, it all happens. All right, uh, stay as cool as you can, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Richie. Thank you, Tony. Richard Justice, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony. Here comes Tony. 
Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, facts, sent your notes. Here comes Tony. Here comes Tony. Here comes Mr. Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of you. Have we ever played that before? We have. We have. That's, That's Annie, Annie Cress. Annie Cress. Yeah, she's a vocal coach out of wow. Los Angeles. Just wow. fantastic. Wow. 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 <laughs> you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Bethesda Bagels. We got. They delivered Bialis today. Yes, which I almost. Haven't had those in years. Couldn't oh. pronounce it, Nigel. Yes, I almost called them Bialy Stocks. Bialy Stock and Blue. Right. We got those. We got the fresh uh, fresh made sesame seed bagels. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, very excited. We're good today. to leave the bag open. Bialis yes, are a real New York deal. Is that, that is. Yeah, they're not They're not bagels. They're, you know, they're a different sort of bread. It looked a bit like a Danish or something like that, it's but not, it's though. not a Danish. It's really good. Yes. It's really good. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That's about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, now, some folks say it's too big and uses too much gas, and some folks say it's too old and that it goes too fast. But my love is bigger than a Honda, and it's bigger than a Subaru. I mean, there's only one thing and one car that'll do. That's Pink Cadillac. Uh, That's Bruce Springsteen. It's got a a line. The Pink Cadillac has a line about money where he says, you know, don't talk to me about money because I got plenty of that. (laughs) It's just wonderful. Thanks to our guest today, Chuck Todd, Richard Justice. Thanks to our sponsors, Simply Safe and Harry's Racers. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Josh Powers in Reston, Virginia. These are the pros and cons of oat milk. And as Nigel can testify... Buster Olney and I had another conversation yes. yesterday prior to him going on the PTI show about how terrible yes. oat milk is. It's Tru- not milk. Truly vile. It's yes. not milk. Yes. It pairs nicely with a nice coffee, but it is brand specific. <laughs> also, the takeaway from that, you, f- you finished the oat milk container. Like I you did. went all the way through it. I did. So you went back to it or is this the one and done? <coughs> no, not one and done. I did it three or four times. I wanted to finish it. I bought it. I want to finish it. <laughs> Got to prove go. a point. <laughs> the pros of oat milk. Oats, unlike Jersey cows, are ineligible to participate in the animal revolution. <coughs> Excuse me. When milking oats, significantly less risk of being kicked in the head. Yes. The cons is not milk. <laughs> Tastes of oat water. Mankind would not have been inspired to reach for the stars if it had been named the Oatly Way Galaxy. <laughs> 60s supergroup featuring Eric Clapton, Ginger Baker, and Jack Bruce would have been called Oat. <laughs> Lactose intolerance replaced by semi-redundant Oteos intolerance. This item for English majors only. That's it. That's the list. From Damon in Seattle, Washington. Does oat-like come from cows? has now replaced the bread crust Nats game as the funniest moment on this podcast. From Josh Cromwell in Moselle, Mississippi. Did you really ask Buster Olney if oat milk came from cows? It literally has oat in the name. Do you also have the folks at Quaker running a bunch of dairy farms for harvesting all of the oats that they sell? From Anthony in Newberry Park, California. You had your feet in the end zone at the Doug Flutie game. You've attended White House correspondence dinners. You played golf with the President of the United States. And now you're asking Buster Olney, cows don't give oat milk, right? Quite an arc, Grandpa. Quite an arc. David Cohn in Wilmington, Delaware. I have witnessed the encounter about which you were curious. That is a raccoon and a fox. Oh, yes. We used to be cat people. We had two outdoor cats, which I would routinely feed. 
Each evening, with some regularity, a fox would show up and eat their food. Late one night, checking the back door, I noticed the two cats were sitting on top of the Weber grill, which could only mean the fox was back. There appeared a hulking raccoon about the size of a Mazda Miata. In a flash, the undersized fox was after him, and as the raccoon tried to shimmy up a tree, the fox bit him on the butt, eliciting a honking yelp, again reminiscent of a Miata. So there you have it. Take the raccoon. uh, Take the fox. Give the points. Yeah, give the points in that. Surprises me. Uh, from Phil Lowline in Glenmore, Pennsylvania. Big raccoon. Big raccoon. Big raccoon. Big raccoon. Big raccoon. Thanks, Brent. From Chris Mullen in Virginia, who advises not, not that, that Chris, Mullen. Chris Mullen. No. What's the spread on raccoon versus the fox, and who's the monkey got? From Matt Abatall, and Matt Abatall is our is our Hoka guy, is he not? Yeah. Matt Abatall from Evanston, Illinois. Fox. King of Game 6, Raccoon headed to the finals, baby. I don't know. I don't know. From Brandon Borzelli in Lebanon, New Jersey, while dogs may be no match for raccoons, the fox lines up as more evenly matched opponent for the mass critter. Sure, the fox is fast, quicker off the dribble, but the raccoon has size and can easily out-rebound the fox. You have to assume the inside presence of the raccoon is going to force the fox outside. The fox can't shoot 50% from beyond the arc. It's game over. Now, if the fox can run five slam-a-jamma style, the raccoon may not be conditioned enough to keep up. The raccoon is likely getting beat one-on-one, but man, their zone is unstoppable, especially if they're defending home turf, the garbage can. I'm taking the raccoon in the points. Maybe if the fox dabbled in the triangle offense, it'd be different. They've shown no discipline to this point. Phil Jackson ain't walking through that door. These are so brilliant. Um, By the way, Kevin Erb sent me a lovely email that's would take three weeks to read on the air <laughs> about long. Spooky Nook yes. and golf and stuff like that. And I'm grateful for it, but it's three full pages. Yeah, you'll read it next winter. Yeah, I'll read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Jack Bishop in Waynesville, North Carolina. I've been a PTI watcher since I was a kid with my dad. I just recently discovered the podcast. I'm enamored with the delightful conversation you all provide. Just today, while on a trip to Lowe's, I discovered that Buster Olney has only loathing in his heart for vegans and that raccoons in the D.C. metro area seem to run amok with no regard for human or canine life. It's on the second subject that I have a short story to tell. One night just out of college, my now wife and I were at a friend's house having a game night along with a few beverages of choice. Somehow the conversation turned to animals we would like as pets, and I noted that I'd like a red panda above all creatures great and small. Red pandas, which I believe are a cousin of the raccoon, are about the size of a small dog, and seemed to be about 10,000 times as cuddly as they are dangerous. Little did I know, sitting in the room was a girl from my hometown who was studying to be a zoologist. She promptly engaged with that thing would tear you apart. I, being a human male in my 20s, roughly five times the size of the animal in question, responded in befuddlement. I think I'd be all right. Her response, which my wife still quotes to me to this day, it's so cute that you think that. (laughs) After today's show, I've come to realize that I must have vastly underestimated the dangers of the red band and the raccoon. Yes. Now down to brass tacks. Is Lachiserie a franchise-able opportunity? (laughs) I I don't think so. I don't. There's a store here with a spice and tea counter inside that would be no match for the legend that is Lachiserie. Isn't that great? Jack Bishop from Waynesville, North Carolina. From Kenny Ray. Our friend in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Had a David Aldridge moment this weekend. Had the chance to fly to Detroit to see the Twins at Tigers Friday and Saturday night. And who do I see playing center field for the Twins? Michael K. Taylor, formerly of the Nats. I know him, I said. I'll give you one guess what he did all weekend. Yep, and got tossed Friday night for our green balls and strikes. If there's anybody in baseball who should know what a strike looks like, it's Michael (laughs) K. Taylor. Kyle Pownall in Macon, Georgia. 
Isn't Macon where Little Richard is from? Oh, I think you're right. Let me check that. I think, that, I think believe, so. Believe you On June the 15th, my daughter Ruby Grace's mailbag rendition was played. There was a debate if she played the saxophone, clarinet, or the recorder, but you said it was definitely not the oboe. It was, in fact, the saxophone. However, the other instrument that she plays is the oboe. She was super excited to hear the clip and made fun of you all for your lack of musical ear. I told her I think Mr. Tony wants you to do the mailbag thing with the oboe. She rolled her eyes and said, I don't think so. Little Richard, uh, born 1932, Macon, Georgia. Believe you had that one. Yes. Rick Zomer, Grand Rapids, Michigan. On the past Wednesday show, Michael mentioned the boys had named the rabbit outside of your house, Hoppy Joe. Just wondering if there's any relation to Eric Stumpy Joe Childs. (laughs) You might remember him as the drummer of one of England's loudest bands. Spinal Tap, kids. Be in Grand Rapids in a few weeks. Should be great. Should be cool and wonderful. Yeah. John Erickson, San Diego. I appreciate Brian Windhorst's assessment that the LeBron hype was greater than the Wembenyama hype. I must disagree. I don't recall an artist that opened for The Who creating a song that has become a persistent earworm every time I heard mention of the teenage LeBron. From Alex Lau in New York City. The Grammarly read got me thinking about what a read for an app to make your writing more like Mr. Tony's would sound like. And here's what I came up with. TK's premium of advanced tone suggestions help you communicate confidently and reframe your words to be sarcastic and dismissive. <laughs> so your enemies feel pain and your comms can later be recycled and sold as books. Negative communication suggestions can help you tear down those who have wronged you and take shots at people like Subaru owners and Raju Narasetti. Reframe positive language to be more acerbic and disparaging so that you can have a better chance of getting your own podcast or TV show and no longer have to write for a living when your fingers inevitably stop working. When it comes to writing a column, irascibility and contemptuousness are key. TK's premium tone suggestions improve your writing so you can come up with better copy than saying that it will take your writing to the next level. <laughs> the right tone can cut down any adversary when you get it just right with TK Premium. It's, that's wonderful. It's a new commercial. We ought to do that. From Stephen in Boston. Isn't a baritone ukulele just another way to say regular-sized guitar? <laughs> I, I don't so know it might be. Leslie Thomas, who's emailed us often from Hillsborough, North Carolina. I was watching the press conference about the missing submersible, and I went, hey, I know that guy. And so do you and Michael. Paul Hankins was standing next to the Coast Guard captain. I also believe he was one of Michael's baseball coaches. Paul is a class of 1981 from the Naval Academy, most excellent friend and sailor, small world. Yeah. Right? Yes. He was on That's that. That's wild. That's Yes. That's a million to one situation. <laughs> a million, million to one. one. From Ben in Evans, Georgia, which is about 20 minutes from Augusta National. On the June 21st episode, you read an email from Anthony Wally Walter from Shatan, Okinawa, or Shatan, who wrote in about how far he was from the 20015 while listening to the show. When I heard you read it, I said, hey, I know that guy. In fact, it was I who introduced him to the pod. I'll never forget it. We were in a pickup truck parked at the Ambuli International Airport in Djibouti. 7,205 miles, not quite Okinawa, but getting better every day. We're waiting to pick up some people arriving by plane, and instead of hanging around the airport proper, we were enjoying some AC while I plugged in my phone to the truck stereo and played an episode from Chatter. Wally was a little from that moment. We occasionally exchanged texts about jingles, guests, and the doings of the show. We even once sat back and had a Jimmy Steinman retrospective following a beautiful tribute upon his passing. The only thing that can ruin my enjoyment of hearing Wally's emails is that you read one of his first through, uh, first, though I've been a little since 1998 and have emailed the show several times. Alas, I now know how Michael feels when Pablo visits. <laughs> Thank you for the literal decades of heartwarming, side-splitting shows, Grandpa. Here's to many more to come from Ben Midkiff in Evan, Georgia. Isn't that nice? That's lovely. Isn't that nice? James McCullough writes, long-time listener, PTI watcher, first-time writer. Listening to the episode for June 21st, it had some Canadian content, so I thought I would give you more. 
The CFL has had some amazing nicknames for players over the years. Two of my favorite are Henry Gizmo Williams and Michael Pinball Clemens. Gizmo was a return specialist who ran back 31 punts, kickoffs, and missed field goals, punctuated with a backflip in the end zone. Pinball was a running back. It was incredibly hard to bring down. Both of them were very fast, very small, 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, I also wanted to add a note about Moose Jaw. There are a series of tunnels under the city that were used for bootlegging during Prohibition to get booze from Canada to Chicago. Chicago via direct railway. Al Capone is even rumored to have visited the city. You can take guided tours of the tunnels today. That tidbit is shared more for us all to hear. Tony attempt to say Saskatchewan again. Oh, I can say Saskatchewan. I think you, you got all that. All the best from the California of Canada. Kelowna, K-E-L-O-W-N-A, Kelowna, British Columbia. Tony will love playing on the 20-plus golf courses in the Valley. One more for Jeff in Arveda or Arvada, Colorado. Your instincts for pointing out incompetence really are impeccable. Not only is Dominic Smith the worst power-hitting player in a power position in MLB, he's the worst power hit in all of MLB, regardless of any position, with an isolated power equals slugging percentage minus batting average of 0.53. Now, that probably went up because he hit a home run the other day. Yes, his third. What's he, he on pace for now? his third. Hmm? What's he on pace now for the year? Six? Six. <laughs> he's on pace for six. But how did he do yesterday? Uh, against Seattle, one went one for over. Over, uh, I think he had five at bats. I'm not. I don't think there's any hits in there. No right. hits. I think he had an over and a strikeout. Mm. He's playing all the time now because somebody sees something that I don't see. Uh, if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always do wear white. If I wish one of your guys had children, if I could kick them in the head or stomp on their testicles, for you could feel my pain because that's the pain I have waking up every day. Sorry, Mike. I've been down this road before Where the shadows play As the sun goes down It's a long way back To the place I found But I'll be there soon Cause I'm homeward bound There's no place like the road With its melancholy refrain I love the way the west wind sighs and the bird song falls like rain and the bird song falls like rain out alone on a sunset trail as the moon creeps up ringing on the night as the stars come out in the fading light Never felt such peace, never seemed so right There's no place like the road With its melancholy, clear refrain I love the way the west wind sighs and the bird song falls like rain. And the bird song falls like rain. My life is nothing but the miles I've seen. Never dreamt of things that might have been. If I thought too much 
about the where or when I would grab a bag and hit the road again There'll come a day when I settle down When these dusty shoes will walk no more But I'm not done yet Guess you'll know for sure When you hear that knock On your old front door There's no home like the road With its melancholy Clear refrain I love the way The west wind sighs And the bird song falls like rain I love the way the west wind sighs and the bird song falls like rain. Maybe then you 
inside. 